0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. This is post-game Georgia Tech. It's also coast-to-coast rolled into one big show. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. At the postgame comes Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran, and they're with me because they're also the coast-to-coast Coast crew. Joey Powell, the normal host, is uh, sunning and funning on vacation, much-needed vacation here. Got out of town, got out of North Carolina just in time to avoid what's coming this way on Sunday. If you're listening to this, it's probably Sunday morning. Um, but we're going to talk about this Georgia Tech win. Carolina wins eighty-eight sixty-five. We were talking just briefly off air, Sherell. Those first 30 minutes of Carolina basketball tonight um, against Georgia Tech were some of the best I've seen in a couple years, well, maybe three years um, for this North Carolina team. And I wanted to see them come out and be able to do that after a week break. Your overall take on what you saw?
0: Yeah, I, I think it was a dominant performance from UNC. It was a performance that was needed. And it was a performance that I think was a little bit overdue. Uh, everyone has talked about with this team. The only thing you can be sure of is their inconsistency. And I think now they're starting to put a few games together. That's three of their last four games that have completely just uh, overmatched their opponent. Uh, it started with uh, Boston College a couple of weeks ago. And then you know they lost up at Notre Dame. Then they destroyed Virginia. Had a week off. Came back and you know kind of beat down Georgia Tech tonight. So it is starting them down the right path for people maybe to start believing that they can do this every night. Um, I think you guys on Inside Carolina Live this morning made great points about uh, motivation because, you know, it's easy to get up when you're playing another top NBA prospect. It's easy to get up when you just lost by 30. You want to go and show that that was a fluke. It's easy to get up, um, you know, when it's a prime time game and everyone's watching. But when it's a game that really no one nationally cares about, that the only people who care about it is your fan base and the people on the court. So, um, you know, the fact that they came out with their hair on fire, played hard, made shots, I think that goes a long way into possibly uh, those issues, the the sleepwalking maybe being rectified. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I think it's a step in the right direction.
1: I agree there. Um, this, this did a lot to sort of ease my – wonder about the sleepwalking issue like I said earlier I agree with everything you said Sean your overall take I mean Carolina dominant against the Georgia Tech team that has some players I mean DeVoe and Usher can play and DeVoe I, I would wager it's not too often that a team's star player has more turnovers than made baskets and, and points in, in a game DeVoe did just that tonight your take
2: yeah you said the word dominant and I think that that's a word uh Carolina fans haven't mentioned it in in quite some time and with this with UNC coming in I think they're around you know 12 point favorites you, you expected kind of a comfortable win but you never really know what you're going to get uh but as Real said I mean you know now the consistency uh they were up you know for the most part 20 plus uh very fun to watch offensively you know I think it helped Georgia Tech not scoring the last really the last five minutes of the first first half but once again, the the starters are are clicking. Um, the starters have have found their roles, and I think most importantly, uh, we've seen over the last two games when maybe Love or Davis is not at their best. Um, they st- they've still improved enough where they're not maybe you know they're not killing the team like say Kentucky. Um, you know, Love didn't have his greatest game five five turnovers, but. He, uh, he played well enough and he hustled and some of those turnovers were excusable. So I think if we can see that going forward, that can also increase the potential uh, for this team.
1: Sherelle, your thoughts on the rotation tonight Um, with uh, Walton and Garcia back, a lot of people in the message boards, a lot of people thought, Hey, Carolina's got to have these guys tonight. They didn't, they didn't really need them. Um, you know, with Baycott doing what he does and RJ Davis, I tweeted it. RJ Davis has got some aversion to yellow jackets because he has torched them (laughs) twice this year. And, uh, you know, it came out hot and then Baycott. I mean, the, the national guys are starting to notice, I guess, at least the, the, the ACC ESPN guys is this guy is playing ridiculously good in this stretch. Um, so, they did not need Walton and Garcia. But what did you think about the rotation tonight? I thought it was a little tighter than I expected it to be. But that's, I think we're figuring out that's Hubert Davis's way.
0: Yeah, it was tight. But I, that's, you know, when you, you can get those 30 point wins, it, it's what the football team dealt with, right? They always said if we can get those 30 point wins, then we can, you know, get the backup quarterback some snaps and get these young guys some snaps. But they never got the 30 point wins. So, those guys didn't get as many snaps. In this case, you have from missed two games, so they've been out almost two weeks, and the fact that they were able to get that lead, they got a few minutes in the first half, and then play the majority of uh, the last 10 minutes in the second half, I think that helps a lot, just getting their, you know, just honestly fitness, just getting the feel back into the game after being gone for so long um, in the middle of the season, so I think that was a positive, positive. Uh, and then, you know, Hubert Davis has kind of shown what he's going to do with the rotation. He it's it. We have, you know, more than half of a season. We have 16 games as a sample now uh, that he's going to play his starters every minute and he's going to substitute as needed, maybe situationally and then go from there. The, the good thing, again, about a huge win is that you see uh, Baycott, 29 minutes. You see love 29 minutes. You see Davis, 29 minutes. I think that's the first time that none of them have, have had 30 or more minutes in, in some time. Uh, So that's positive, especially when you're going into this huge stretch that we're going to talk about later.
1: Yeah, Sean, let's talk about Baycott, Armando Baycott, for a minute. And I saw the tweet. In his last three games, he's just been ridiculous for North Carolina. He he said when he came back, um, whenever he announced he came back, he wanted to make a legacy or or to put um, his playing time in perspective, high up the list for bigs in North Carolina. He's doing just that. I don't know if he's all ACC or, excuse me, ACC Player of the Year at this point. We got a long ways to go, and we'll talk about that briefly. But uh, he, he's putting together a stretch that Carolina big men just haven't done in a while.
2: Definitely agree agree with that, and it is it is nice to see. Um, you know, once again, it's kind of. Going back to Sean, Sean May numbers, his his junior year in 2004-05, uh, um, Bryce Johnson numbers as well. And I think, you know, when you looked at Armando Baycott as a freshman, you saw the potential uh, from kind of an efficiency standpoint. His numbers matched up with some of those, you know, UNC bigs that had really strong junior and senior seasons. And he's kind of the perfect example of somebody that has just continued to get better. Um, and right now he's putting it, you know, really doing, doing everything offensively, um, defensively, he's been playing better. Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, he's, you know, he's right at this point in time, ACC player that the Year. obviously a long way to go, but he's, he's having a tremendous season. And I think once again, outside of Duke, there's not a lot of big wins to get, but if they can string together, um, you know, a handful, a lot of wins in a row, a handful of wins, they can, you know, put, put themselves in contention for a much better, uh, playoffs, you know, NCAA tournament seed, uh, at the, at the end of, uh, at, at the end of March.
1: And Sherelle, if, if folks are watching on YouTube, Sherelle dropped out, had a little bit of Wi-Fi issues. <laughs> um, he'll be right back, but Sean, what's the difference, um, you know obviously, Hubert Davis's style is conducive for a big man to have some open looks and to get but early in the season, it felt like they still didn't fully understand how to get him the ball. Brady is great at it. Uh, he's mm-hmm. clear he's clearly got the best uh, basketball iQ on the team, at least from my standpoint. Uh, but what's the difference for the rest of these guys? Is it just getting comfortable with, with the style of play um, and the the need and the necessity of getting Baycott the ball where he can score?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they they the guards are also realizing that hey, you know, we we can just throw it in into him, and you know that that's going to help us help us look good. Uh, you mentioned Brady Manic. I mean, once again, when he catches the ball, either on the uh, top of the key or on the wing you know, he's delivering it quickly and he's delivering it in a, in a perfect position. Um, So I think, you know, everybody's starting to realize what they have around him. I think Armando himself is getting, getting more confident. Um, And I, and I think it also helps the, you know, the starters kind of finding, finding their roles and their footing, um, you know, as well, because now, you know, I think for the most part, they understand that it, It goes through Armando and and here's a guy that can get you 25 on a on a given night uh very efficiently somebody that's not going to need to go you know 25 shots to get those 25
1: points. Sherelle my question to Sean there was what has changed for Baycott over the last uh, couple weeks Uh, he's getting the ball better Um, he's very active Um, but it seems to me that finally the guards and everybody is under, or they're understanding the system and understanding that the ball has to go through Baycott. And they're getting better at getting him the ball where he needs it. that has been a struggle for two years. at Carolina, the last two seasons was post-entry. Now, at least in the last two weeks, it hasn't really been an issue. Um, your thoughts on why that is so?
0: Uh, like Sean said, you kind of see the results, and the results yield you know what you do. And if you know that good things are going to happen when Armando gets to the ball, then you're going to be more diligent about making that happen. I also think Brady Manick, uh, he's, you know, we talk about him every podcast, about how good he is as a passer in the half court. That helps tremendously too because um, you know, he had four assists. Uh, RJ Davis had four assists. I think Caleb Love had two. Leakey had four. Um, when you see someone like Manick you know, give up a good shot for a great shot for Bacot, that kind of stuff—it's—it's it's cliche to say, but it is infectious, because you know, you know, you get an advantage, and you start seeing the ball swing around, and everybody starts to get there as once Baycott gets his. Um, so I think that's part of it too. It—it it is unselfish, but there is a selfishness in it—not a negative selfishness, but you know that if I feed this guy, then I'm going to eat too. Uh, so I think that's there's a lot of that kind of permeating throughout the team, um, and it—you it, have to give props to Hubert Davis as well. He's made sure that his team knows that's how they need to play and how they have to play because I'm on There's not many teams who have anyone who can match up with them. Um, so again, if you get in the ball, good things will happen. I, I think it's all that, you know, wrapped into one plus the way the game ended against Notre Dame when he was, you know, playing really well and they failed to get in the ball down the stretch. I think you combine all that and that's why you're seeing what you've seen in the last three games.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I mean, what do you get? Four shots or a couple, you know, four shots in the second half against Notre Dame when he was absolutely dominating the Irish. Um, somebody got the message. And it sounds like everybody on the team got the message. Um, so props to Hubert Davis on getting that accomplished. And, and, and Armando as well. I mean, there's no doubt that he's been vocal um, about the need to get the ball and he's living up to it. I think one of the biggest stats of the night, and we can talk about 29 and 12. But for me, it's nine for nine from the foul line. I don't recall him doing that a lot over the course of his career. Uh, Maybe he has. I'm sure the stats will show that he has. But as we saw with a guy like Tyler Hansbrough, if you make your foul shots, you can stack points in a hurry as a big. And he goes nine for nine tonight. And Carolina shoots 91% from the free throw line um, against Georgia Tech and winning by 23. Guys, let's sort of twist, and there's a lot, you know, a lot of more positives in the game, but let's twist it to um, moving forward, because the season has felt disjointed to me for the last uh, month, maybe, with, um, you know, Virginia Tech game getting postponed, the Boston College game got moved back a day, weeks off between games, but Sean, here we come. They got Miami this week, and then Wake Forest kicks off a stretch where they seem to play every day or every other day, um, we've talked about the rotation. We've talked about the depth. Um, is Carolina, in your opinion, is this team prepared as well as they can be going into this stretch of ACC games? There's there's no... I said it on the Inside Carolina Live show today. There's no great teams in the conference. Duke, maybe. Um, but there's certainly some ones that can cost you NCAA tournament hopes if you don't play well against. What's Carolina's status for you going into this run?
2: Yeah, I mean, this next week is, is crucial. Um, and then obviously you have Virginia tech right, right afterwards, but two, two road games, um, two, you know, two teams, obviously not ranked, but at the same time, two teams that have talent and are, and are well coached. Um, I think you would love to have, uh, you know, the bench maybe playing a little bit better, but at the same time, Miami's not a deep a deep team. Um, for the most part, they rely on their on their five starters. Uh, so I, I really think, you know, once again, can they can they focus and come out and, and get road wins? Obviously they did against BC, but that, that was that was BC. Notre Dame, uh, they got down early and really spent the game, you know, trying to come back from the deficit, uh, and then and they ended up losing. So you know, if if this team, we, we always talk about the potential of this team. And if they play up to it, I would expect them to go two and zero. But at the same time, um, you know, Miami won at Duke. Uh Charlie Moore and Isaiah Wong, I mean, they've got some they've got some players and athletes. So it's gonna be tough. And I, I think it'll it'll show a lot because once again, every every week, um you, you kind of don't really know what you're going, going to get. And today we got what, you know, a lot of us were hoping for. Uh, once again, that can change very quickly against Miami. So it'll be, you know, this will be a telling a telling week, but there's a lot of basketball, which will be fun for everybody.
1: Sherelle, is it sustainable that um, Carolina's, and this is something we've never seen with Carolina basketball. I mean, I think, Sean, you pointed out on, this, on our Slack, is that Justin McCoy's basket midway, um, second half, I don't remember exact time was the first points for the bench. I can't remember that being the case for a North Carolina team. Is, is this sustainable or does somebody, um, that is a non-starter, whoever it may be, do they need to step up and provide, um, or else for this, for this Carolina team?
0: Yeah. Offensively, I don't really think so. Um, you know, there've been Carolina teams where the majority of the points were scored by, you know, a couple of few. Uh, to use a Southern term, I mean, think back to, you know, back in your day, uh, the 97, 98 teams, you know, they had some help, but most of it was Vance Antoine and Shimon, you know, those, those couple of years, you know, there was an occasional Serge Wicker 25 point game or Ogallajah 15 point game, but for the majority of it, it was, it was those three. Um, so, I mean, I think you can win that way. It's, it's again, it's very different from what North Carolina has uh, had over the last 16, 17 years. Um, But I I don't think it's going to be an issue as far as scoring is concerned. I think defensively is where where those guys can really come in and help because there is such an offensive burden on the starting five, uh, or I guess I should say the starting six, if you include Garcia and and Manic, count them as one person. Um, There's such a burden on them to score that, you know, there might be some energy issues on the defensive end. And we've seen that throughout the season. So if Ant Harris, when he's healthy, and Curran Walton or, you know, whomever can come in and just give them, you know, 10 minutes of, of solid defense, of running through screens and, and just making the guys on the other end try a little bit harder, I think that's invaluable for them moving forward. But offensively, no, I don't, I don't think they necessarily have to have someone come off the bench and, and, you know, score 10 points. It'd be nice, but I don't think it's a necessity for them to win games.
1: It always seems that somebody um, on the bench ends up needing to make a play when it gets – tough sledding in the ACC, but I agree. I mean, with the firepower they have in the starting lineup, you mentioned uh, uh, Jameson and Vince and Shimon. So, Sean, who is the third guy for this Carolina team between Baycott and Caleb Love? Is it R.J. Davis consistently, or is it going to be a, a collection of guys, um, manic Garcia, R.J., or somebody else we haven't talked about, because I think to win in the ACC consistently, especially when the games are back-to-back, back, you got to have three. Um, is it, do you see one guy stepping up amongst that group, or is it going to be just a collection of them, whichever night somebody's hot?
2: I mean, I, I think it, it's really going to be, you know, the, the top four. Um, you know, with, and I'm, I'm putting Manic in there. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully he stays in the starting, starting rotation, but – I think, you know, with that, that four, you know, you're playing leaky as a starter. He's, he's going to take anywhere from zero to two to three shots. So there are a lot of shot attempts to go around. Um, and I think, you know, those guys can consistently get in double figures. Uh, you know, I think RJ and Caleb have, you know, outside of games here or there, uh, have proven that they can do that consistently. Uh, Manic has done it as of late. But, you know, one thing we've talked about here the last few podcasts is, if he can string together, you know, a couple threes in a row, uh, you know, that, that just helps the team so much. And if he's getting 12 to 15 points and, and several assists, I think that's going to go a long way. uh, Just given the consistent effort that we know we'll get out of Armando for the majority of majority of games.
1: Sherelle, one of our topics earlier, um, I want you to take on that third guy. Um, I agree that it can be any one of them, but one of our topics earlier on inside Carolina live was the pressure of playing point guard at North Carolina and how tough it was. Um, do you think that the way Hubert Davis has sort of split the duties between Caleb Love and RJ Davis, do you think that's really helped them this year, uh, as part of the growth, they struggled heavily last year. Um, how has how Hubert's approach helped those two guys?
0: You know, it's, it's a difficult question to answer only because we haven't seen a freshman point guard play under head coach, Hubert Davis. So, you know, the way he handles them could be completely different, but if you're comparing freshman point guard under Row Williams to, you know, sophomore point guards under Hubert Davis, you know, everybody forgets they both started the first game last year, college of Charleston as freshmen. They were the first freshman backcourt to start in like 12 years or something. Um, I just think it is a uh, growth. It's just a few factors is growth. Um, It's, you know, having seen everything they went through last year, it's a completely, not completely different, but a, a revamped or remodeled offensive system um and then i think they're just hitting some of the shots that they didn't hit last year i think when you add all that in it's making it easier for them but yes having the other on the court does lessen the burden think about if cole anthony had someone like rj davis or cole anthony had someone like caleb love to play beside how much more effective he would have been in his only year at carolina he was pretty as effective as it was when he played. um but yeah having having another guy beside you who can, who can handle and pass and say, okay, I, I got this possession or you go over here and you can be the two of this possession and we can mix and match. That definitely helps a ton. And I think Hubert Davis, you know, to his credit, from his first interview, he said he likes playing two-point cards. And that's what it's been, you know, since practice started. And I think that's what it's going to be throughout his tenure, honestly.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting take. Um, <laughs> are we concerned, Sean? And I know it's just one game. Are we concerned how the bench played the last 10 minutes of the game against Georgia tech going forward in the event um, that somebody goes down or somebody picks up COVID protocols or all, is that a concern? Or is that just one of those things where um, that stretch is sort of is what it is. I think Sherelle, I think tweeted, Roy Williams would say it's definitely, it all looks better when it goes in the basket, but I can imagine he would not have been pleased as, I can imagine Hubert is not pleased with how that last 10 minutes shook out against Georgia Tech.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the, the names on the court and you, you say, wow, you know, you know, there, there's definitely some, some talent uh, that's out there. Uh, once again, it's, it's younger talent. Um, I, I think, you know, in this game, once again, you had Garcia uh, and Walton both coming back from some absences. So, you expected some rust. Um, I mean, I, I you know, I guess for this game, it was good just for them to get, get out on, on the floor. But, um, you know, and Garcia's proved he can have big games. Um, but I think if, if he could come in as really now, if, if he's a six man and he can get you kind of an efficient eight to eight to 10 points, six to 10 points, um, I think that will that will help. And, you know, Walton, you know, would love to see him you know, just kind of get, uh, get a few more shot attempts when he, when he does get in uh, because I, I, I think having a guy that can come in, um, you know, add, add some points quickly will, will definitely help. And once again, we've seen UNC go through some, you know, scoring troubles at times. And you know, if, we, we've seen it with Kentucky and Tennessee and some of the better teams where uh, both Caleb and RJ have been off at the same time. And that's where, you know, then there's a lot of pressure on on Armando. Um, so it wasn't over. You know, huge concern, but it but it is definitely something to monitor uh, because I think we are gonna we are gonna need uh, something from them uh, going forward.
1: What do you think, I One thing that in this game when Baycott picked up that first that early foul, it was a uh-oh moment because if he picks up a second when he's sitting. <laughs> Um, and we've seen what Carolina looks like at times without him, but is there any concern? And I know we've talked about scoring from the starters and all, but is there any concern about the play that we saw in that second half?
0: Well, let me say, first say there's a game coming up where Armando already has a foul. So just factor that
1: at least, at least one,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting because I, I, that was something I was kind of watching too you know, he gets a foul within the first 50 seconds. And then I was like, okay, you know, how is he going to handle this? And he didn't pick up his second until into the second half. Um, so that was big by him, just, you know, playing good defense and making sure he wasn't getting himself in harm's way. Uh, but, you know, I'm a little less concerned about how the bench played, because honestly, if Caleb Love or Armando Baycott get hurt or have COVID or anything, the chances of Carolina, you know, doing anything remotely, positive you know as far as winning games just goes down you know tremendously so it's not much of a concern because if you lose one of those guys what are you going to do I mean there's a reason they're the starters there's a reason that they're you know they're playing so well there's a reason that they're getting 32 33 34 minutes per game Um, again with the bench I just come you know I I look for them to come in and just be steady and be solid and don't hurt the team you know it's what we always talked about Tommy don't be a negative on the team and they were tonight um, but if you assume that Baycott and, and love don't get injured or covid or anything then these guys are playing you know 9 10 minutes a game versus the 17 18 19 20 they got tonight um, so you're just asking for good defense you're asking for no turnovers if you have an open shot try your best to hit it if you don't that's okay just don't turn the ball over you know play good defense so i I wasn't looking for them to like take the lead from 30 to 40 or anything. It was more so, you know, keep it around 25, you know, minus five with that group wasn't, you know, wouldn't have been terrible or anything like that. So again, to me, that's not, it's not a huge concern because if, if they're playing uh, together, then there's a lot bigger issue for UNT anyway
1: absolutely that's a great point there you your uh, your wi-fi is making me think i'm watching an old godzilla movie on japanese <laughs> godzilla movie at times it's funny but you sound great it, it's just it's not matching up with the voice so our youtube listeners can have some fun with that i'm gonna take a short break talk about johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com uh you know I, I don't know how i can express more Um, gratitude for Johnny T-shirt and the folks over there and how they treat our Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. We need to look after them. You need to go over there. You need to shop there or shop online, get everything you need for Carolina, and you get the 10% off. They'll deliver it to your door um, or they'll provide you great in-person customer service. So check them out when you have an opportunity. If you're in Chapel Hill or just go see them online and, and take care of your needs for Carolina sports and Carolina gear. National guys are going to pay the bills. We'll be right back. Coast to Coast podcast at this point, we'll talk some basketball recruiting with Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. Okay, we're back. Uh, Sean, I want to talk about a visitor that was in the Smith Center on Saturday night, but I want to turn to you first to talk about um, the play of Carolina's current commits. Uh, I've seen a lot of highlights from Tyler Nickel um, where he's played really well. Give us a status update um, and how those guys are progressing as Carolina commits. Anything surprise you? Anything uh or anything surprise you positively or negatively about what you've seen so far?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's start with, with Seth, Seth Trimble first. Uh, and, you know, since, since January and really over his last three games, he's had 41 points, 34 points and 34 points uh, shooting over 50% in every game. And, you know, through three game through those three games, he hit six, uh, six three. So, you know, uh, no matter what the level of competition is, that is always, uh, you know, pretty pretty incredible to see. Um, so I think he, you know, he's he's really been playing at a at a high level up in Wisconsin uh, against some of the, the public school uh, public schools up there. Um, you know, Tyler Nickel. You know, we've talked about the level of competition and kind of small school uh, Virginia basketball. So it's not you know, even at the level that Trimble's at right now. But at the same time, he's been been dominant with, uh, you know, 28, 37, 43, 48. I mean, 48 points, 18 to 26. That uh, Once again, no, no matter who you're playing, that's uh, pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, and then, you know, probably a guy I've gotten to watch more than the others as of late is Simeon Wiltshire. Um, I know we've talked about him the last pod. We had a recent video breakdown, but, you know, even this week, uh, you know scored 20 points and was hitting some some deep threes off the catch so you know right now the guys are are playing well it'd, it'd be great if washington was was healthy and we we're seeing what what he was made of but um, you know i think everybody's playing kind of at the at the top of their game going into you know really the last two months of their their senior senior years for nickel and trimble
1: Sherelle, uh, when you look at those guys this is a question i've asked you before i think but it's been a while since we talked when you look at guys dominating or playing well in high school and you look at level of competition, how does one look at a guy like Nickel or a guy like Trimble and say, how is that going to translate to the to the level, to ACC-level basketball, to North Carolina-level basketball? Um, because a lot of people see people putting up 30, 40 points a game in high school and think they're going to come in to Carolina and do that. So, so how do these guys – uh, what they're doing now, how, how will that translate? What, what, what positive do you see from these performances that will translate to North Carolina?
0: I think mindset is probably the most important thing, uh, along with confidence. <clears throat> and both of these guys are players who are ultra-aggressive in unique ways. Trimble is ultra-aggressive in that he's always putting pressure on the defense by driving, um, trying to duck on people, uh, trying to get into the lane, draw fouls. He's, he's always on the floor um taking punishment you know that's kind of what he does and then nickel is aggressive in a different way and confident in a different way and then there's not a shot that he doesn't like or a shot that he thinks he won't make uh so i think those things carry over um you can start to look at despite level of competition you can look at form you can look at release you can look at footwork you can look at um space creation all those things kind of give you a glimpse into what a, a player might struggle with um or where they might what might be an area of of uh Early success for them, so I I think for Trimble, uh, if you're talking about an area of early success, definitely defense is something we talked about before because of his size, and his athletic ability. He's going to be a tough a a tough person to get by defensively, and he's going to be a tough cover for for a lot of people, um, just because you know he's big and strong. Um, It looks like he played wide receiver right now in college football, so. He's got that going for him. For Nickel, I think defensively might be the the place where it might be a a little bit of an adjustment for him because he's going to be playing on the wing, probably some three, three, four. And the guys there are going to be really, really athletic. So he's going to have to uh, get better at moving his feet, um, get a little stronger. But then offensively, um, you know, he's already, um, I should I'd say, he's already at the point where he's learning how to create space for himself. And, you know, some people might say, oh, he's having to do that against, you know, small league, you know, Virginia schools, what's going to happen in ACC, but I think part of the work that he's doing to learn how to create space is in preparation for UNC and not necessarily for his high school team. So, um, I, I think those are two ways that both of those guys, you, you can kind of see the skills and how they translate, and you can also see a couple of areas where they're going to need to improve and, and continue to work.
1: What about Wiltshire there? Um he's a guy that looks like he can come in and play now.
0: Yeah. I, the <laughs> his body transformation since July has been pretty incredible. I mean, he, he looks like, you know, the, a big kid for lack of a better, I don't know how else to say it. Like he's just, he's kind of, kind of built tough. Um, but I, I think for him, it's a little bit tougher because he's two, still two years away from entering. Um, but I, I think, again, he prides himself on his defense. That was one of the first things he talked about. And, he's six, five now, you know, self-reported. So that's someone, you know, with his length and, you know, with his size that can cover both guard spots and even if need be probably cover a lot of threes as well. So he'll provide, and Sean's talked about this you know, several times he'll provide a lot of defensive versatility. I think immediately when he gets to Chapel Hill.
1: It's fascinating to see these guys. I mean, we've seen the ones that are like great in eighth and ninth grade and get no better. Um, and they're the same guy in college, so it's fascinating to watch them develop in high school. Sean, if you're, if you're a coach, if you're Hubert Davis, what do you tell each of them to work on to improve the most? Sherelle talked about um, what translates, but what do these guys need to work on the most? Washington needs to get healthy, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody else, um, give me two, one or two nuggets for each player.
2: Sure, Uh, I mean Trimble. It's gonna, it's gonna, you know, we'll we'll be saying it all summer. It's the three point shooting uh, because that's gonna just open up his game uh, so much more. He's got a got an extremely explosive first step, and you know he's he's really comfortable in that in that mid range. But if he can continue to work on that three, and he doesn't have to be hitting them like Caleb Love or RJ Davis are right now when he comes in, but he needs to be better than what they were as freshmen. Um, because I think that that'll alleviate a lot of pressure on him. So three point shooting for Trimble. And, you know, in terms of nickel, Sherelle just talking about creating space, Um, you know, it's really just continuing to, you know, after the season, getting, getting the weight room, uh, get on the track and, you know, he can, he can probably, you know, I'd say maybe even, you know, lose, lose a little bit just in terms of, you know, being, being out there and, and getting up and down the, down the court. So, for him, it's more just kind of training and and working on that athleticism because he can shoot it. He's tough, but I think the foot speed's the the big question mark on on how will that translate to the to the ACC.
1: Sherelle, tell us about the visitor in the Smith Center on Saturday night. Um, Hubert Davis doing work. It is crazy to me that we're talking about twenty twenty four kids, um, especially since I've got a. 2023 child in my house so i'm thinking god this guy's younger than my youngest um tell us about what you know
0: there was a kid uh, as an aside there was a kid uh, in the tournament we were at chick-fil-a he is a freshman this is down in south carolina over christmas he's a freshman at archbishop stepanak where rj davis went to school they were playing down there and someone asked them they're like so you know tell me about yourself he's like oh i love basketball blah 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 and they're like so when you know what's your birth date he was like August something, 2006. And I just looked, <laughs> I was just like, man, I remember covering the class of 2006. <laughs> you know, the, and there was someone born in 2006. So to your point, yeah, the fact that we're talking about 24 is, is, is pretty interesting. Um, but for North Carolina, that's where a lot of the attention is right now. Um, Cam Scott, who is a six, you know, guard slash wing from Lexington, South Carolina, was in the Smith Center tonight. It was his first unofficial visit to Carolina. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time, uh, you know, this is uh, published, if he has an offer or not, we'll see. I'll be surprised if he did not saying he will, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did uh, just because he is someone who will definitely be, I think top 20 nationally. Um, he's already kind of got those kind of accolades. He's got offers from a lot of schools in SEC, a lot of schools in the ACC and um, just a smooth player who um, I think there are some positives uh, in favor of UNC and his recruitment, let's put it that way, if they decide to, you know, go down that route. So um, a, a pretty good first impression, I think, for UNC, for him, considering they, they had a blowout win and everybody played well and they were hitting shots, and it was a, a pretty good atmosphere. One of the better ones in the Smith Center this year.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to know, in both of you, and Sean, I asked you first, and then Sherelle, you especially, is how much do those visits – those unofficial visits make a difference. Say you come in and you see a dud of a game, the team gets beat. Is that a big deal? Do you you come in and you see a game like this where a guy playing the position you might play um, just has a dominant performance? Sean, does that make as big a difference as we think of um, as guys that watch recruiting from afar?
2: It's a great question. I'll I'll probably defer a little bit to Shereau on this. I mean, I think it, you know, when, when you're looking at both the, the short term and the, and the long term you know obviously it's so always better just to you know kind of have a fun experience and the positive vibe and the locker room afterwards versus you know a loss or or playing poorly but especially for somebody that's you know even 23 or 24 their decision is a long way you know for the most part a long ways off and there's a lot that's going to go into you know, into that decisions and by the time that decision is made, you know, does a game a year or two years ago register? Um, so, you know, I think once again, in the long term, probably not, but you know, there there have been a handful of, you know, whether it's Duke games or other big games and, you know, UNC's had five star guys in there and, and maybe they haven't performed up to up to expectations and you think, man, they just they blew it with with how they played. And you know, it probably wasn't that that one game. So I think it's always, you know, as fans, you always want a good performance and to leave on a positive note. But there's so much more that that goes into the whole process in my mind.
1: Sure. How much do guys look and say, hey, this is, a you know, Caleb Loves plays position I'm going to play, and they use him so well, and he had a dominant performance. And the inverse of that, when they see a guy in their position, I mean, does does it ultimately – what ultimately matters the most?
0: I think what <laughs> that's a that's a good one. We need more time for that, Tommy.
1: Right. I'm
0: I'm getting comfortable because we're gonna need more time for that. I think what what's ultimately, um, you know, the biggest thing for the most guys is when am I going to play and how much am I going to, you know, what position am I going to play and how much am I going to play immediately? I think that's the first question. It's like if no matter how talented you are, you want to be on the court, and if you go somewhere where you know you're not going to be on the court or if if you're being offered uh, a scholarship at a place where you know you might not be on the court that much that might put them in a disadvantage i think as far as the atmosphere stuff i think it varies from person to person there have been recruits who i know you know been to a a game in the center where it was loud in there and the the guy their position played well and they're like you know what this is this is good and it can ultimately be a tiebreaker you know i think You, you know if you're If you have a spreadsheet of all this stuff and it's coming out pretty even, you are like, well, the environment was better there. And the last guy in my position there is often NBA that might push them over the top. I think for other people, it doesn't matter. It's it's much more clinical um, and much more of a, you know, to use the phrase everybody hates a business decision. Um, Look at Zion Williamson, for example. He was at one of the the best games, I think, maybe ever in the Smith Center. Uh, They hosted Duke, the school he ended up going to. You know, Joel Berry, you know, was going crazy. Kenny Williams hitting threes. Phil Ford, you know, was there sitting beside him, chatting him up. Michael Jordan gives the ceiling is the roof, uh, you know, comment (laughs) comment. All that happened in that game. I I think there was something else that happened in that game, but uh, it didn't sway him, you know, and it's like, well, if you're not going to be swayed by that, then you're definitely, you know, making the decision based on things other than emotion. So I, I would say it varies, um, you know, depending upon the recruit.
1: Let me ask the other question. And this is something that a lot of people in the message boards have said, um, you got freshmen, however ranked they are, you know, whatever level ranked they are that aren't getting much playing time. Sherell.
0: No, no,
1: I mean, Clear it up for
0: folks. (laughs) (laughs) With this particular team, you know, and Dontrez and and DeMarco, you know, I think a lot of people believe they're going to be good players and they have a pedigree. They had good offers, you know, they're, they're good players, but you know, Gigi Jackson, for example, you know, Carolina's top player or top recruit in 2023 isn't going to not come to Carolina because Dontrez Styles and DeMarco Dunn aren't playing that much. That's just not the way that works. One, um, talent wise and ranking wise and, Prestige wise, they're on different levels and that's no disrespect to Don Trez or DeMarco. Um, The other thing is that every player thinks they're the best player on the planet. So, so, you know, what the reason, if I'm a high major player X, the reason high major player Y from the class behind me isn't playing is because he's not as good as me, not because the coach is holding him back or anything else that, so that line of thought, especially with guys who aren't, you know, the top 10, top 15 types. I, I don't understand that that line of thought.
1: That's an interesting take. Uh, we're going to wrap this one up. Coast to coast podcast, post-game Georgia Tech podcast earlier, rolled into one big ball of wax. Sean, I'm going to let you uh, give me um, things we need to look for in the next few weeks for North Carolina basketball. And I'm going to leave it as open as that. And Sherelle, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Just what, as a North Carolina basketball fan, do I need to be paying attention to um, whether it's recruiting, whether it's ACC play, whether it's specific player play? What am I looking for that will make me happy if I'm that Carolina basketball fan that seeks happiness?
2: Seeks happiness. Uh, well, I mean, I think you know, offense. You know, Carolina is a is a strong offensive team. Um, so, w- what what does somebody want to look for over this next? week-and-a-half stretch, um, it's really going to come from the the defensive end. Notre Dame, you know, made UNC, you know, embarrassed – you know, they embarrassed them, uh, you know, in, in South Bend. And, you know, you're playing a Jim Laranega team. He, you know, he was one of the coaches that I felt always knew how to play very – you know, plan very well against uh, Roy Carolina teams, um, you know, especially how to make them uncomfortable on the defensive end. Uh, you know, against Duke, they spread, spread the floor and, and, uh, you know, attacked off back doors. So I think that's going to be one thing. Wake Forest is extremely well coached. I love uh, you know, who they brought in from a coaching perspective. So once again, they're going to try to take advantage of, of mismatches, try to get Baycott out on the perimeter. Uh, and then, you know, same, same with Virginia tech. So you're getting three well-coached teams and it's going to come down to defensive mentality um, in terms of how they do.
1: Sherelle, I, you know. I just asked these open-ended world questions. You, you said you're getting comfortable, so give me give me uh, the Sheryl McMillanisms uh, for the next couple of weeks. I, I mean, look, let's be honest. You're like the most positive, um, soothing, <laughs> soothing guy on inside Carolina. Um, I'm just the old crotchety guy. Give us something. I, I think Carolina's playing well. I, I think this game showed me a lot. I think however many games it is, five, six, seven games in in a week and a half, uh, two weeks is going to be taxing. Um, And I agree with Sean that it's got to get done on the defensive end. They'll hit enough shots to win. But from Sherelle McMillan's standpoint, what what has to happen for Carolina to keep progressing?
0: Well, I think a couple of things. Um, You know, first off, the footage from Kentucky and Tennessee – and Purdue is just going to be on a loop for every opponent moving forward and Notre Dame too. Um, You know, I think more from, from Miami uh, is, is in a similar, he's shorter, but in a similar vein to Kennedy Chandler uh, who gave UNC trouble and to Zavon Wheeler, who also gave UNC trouble. So that is someone to watch. We know that Miami and Larry Neger are gonna pick and roll you to death and pick, you know, they're gonna pick and roll and then they're gonna pick and roll again and then they're gonna pick and roll again after they pick and roll. So you have to watch out for that, uh, specifically against Miami. Bigger view, I would say protect your home court is is huge. They're now, you know, 19 and one, these sophomores are. So Walton and Love and Davis, 19 and one at home. And they play really well, and they have a big margin of of, uh, victory here lately at home. So protect your home court. And then I would say, I'm a firm believer, 10 ACC road games, if you split them, you're doing well. And so they've already won two. So they've got eight left. So they need to go at least three and five um, down the stretch on the road in ACC, I think to feel good. And then you expect maybe, you know, one slip up here or there at home. I think that puts them in good position. So find a way the rest of the season to get three more ACC road wins. Doesn't matter who it's against, when it's against, or excuse me, who it's against, when it is, or how they win, just get three more. Protect your home court, you know, with maybe a, a loss or two here or there, no more than two. Um, and then like y'all said, defensively, um, you know, I, I think if, if they can handle that, there's there's a chance for this team. Uh, I'm going to say it again for the 97th time. This is as talented a roster as there is in the country outside of six or seven teams, maybe five or six teams. Um, so they have the ability to just have to continue to, to do it. Um, and then the last stat I would look for is assist to field goals made because when they're sharing the ball, I think tonight it was 20 assists to 30 field goals. When they're sharing the ball, that means Armando Bacon is getting the ball and things are swinging, and and that helps their defense too.
1: Yep, yeah, 20, 20 assists on 30 makes. Sean?
2: Yeah, one. Well, definitely agree with Sherelle Was was nodding heavily as as he talked about the about the ball movement, ball movement there, since that's been a hot topic. But uh, while we've been recording, uh, Ken Palm was able to process the game, uh, and it moves UNC into the top 25, which I think you know they've been. <laughs> it's been uh, kind of a, a slow, steady climb to to get there. Uh, but you know. One one other stat right now from three point the three point line, they're thirty-nine point eight percent, number six in the country. And, you know, just going back to last year, how you know, if if you know, what a struggle it was to get them to make, you know, five to six threes a game. And now they're one of the top shooting teams in the country. So um it's been it's it's nice to see that that improvement and and obviously opens up the game for Armando down low, that three point shooting ability.
0: Hey Sean, since you're there, can you look up one other thing? Mm-hmm. Since we're a fourth of the way through the ACC season, five games, um, look at conference-only stats and see who is number one in defensive efficiency in conference-only <laughs> games. I'm curious.
2: Well, I think you you know the you know the answer, uh, but it's it is UNC, uh, and they are at a 94.9 the uh, def- defensive efficiency rating, which is uh, almost you know, almost four points, uh, about three and a half points higher than or lower than Duke right now. So they're number two offensively. Miami is number one and they're number uh, number one defensively. But, um, you know, once again. Well,
0: so the, well, but the fact is, it, <laughs> facts only, through <laughs> a fourth of the way through ACC play, UNC is number one in defici- defensive efficiency and conference only in ACC games.
1: Yep. It is a, uh, it's impressive turnaround. Uh, I mean, to see how they played in those losses you mentioned, Sherelle, and to see how they're playing now and have gotten it done level of competition. Y'all talked about it in recruiting. We talk about it. And I'll talk about it in that regard, but we'll find out a lot, but I think Carolina is on a good path. You know, it's, it's this day and age, a couple bad games can really shape everybody's opinion. Um, but I think Carolina's moving in the right direction. Sean and Rel, um Tate Frazier said Virginia Tech was the best team in the conference, Sherell, <laughs> when we had him on. Is it time to, to blow him up on that, or do we just leave it alone? I know they won today, um, but we- yeah.
0: We like Tate, so we leave it alone. We like Tate.
1: <laughs> Tate, if you're listening, uh, it has not been forgotten, and it is memorialized <laughs> at InsideCarolina.com podcast. Sean and Rel and Johnny T-Shirt and shirt.com. Appreciate it, guys.
2: Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has...